So today's Bible reading is from Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. And, and now we've got Alan coming up. Amazing. I'm here. I'm here. Hello. Hello, everybody. How very strange that was. Very good. Um, Tom has just leant over and nudged me and said, um, if you want to rip it out of Sam Watson, then Sam has really suggested strongly to encourage people to sit at the front. Sam Watson, where are you sat tonight? Love you, Sam. Uh, Very good. Fantastic. Hello, everybody. My name is Alan. Uh, If you don't know me, um, my name is Alan. And uh, as we start this evening, um, I want to uh, say two things or ask a couple of questions. First question is, why, oh, why did God give cats claws? I had to rescue one of our new kittens today from over the fence. And uh, as I went through, um, it got over onto the wall of the neighbor's big drop down the other side and, uh, and a fence along, along. And it was walking along the wall, walking along the wall, would not come to me. Eventually, it walked all the way to the back of the garden and then climbed down into the neighbor's garden. I went round. I picked up the cat. The cat seemed friendly. And as I walked back through the neighbor's gate, there was this... And the cat went absolutely ballistic. So I am wearing scratches on my forearm. I have had to change my top because, thank you, uh, I have to change my top because there was a big muddy paw print where it had tried to push away. And all I can say is next time I will be wearing as thick a ski jacket as I possibly can and I will be taking my oven gloves uh, from the oven in order, to, uh, in order to make it through. Why, oh why, Lord, did you give cats claws? And if you take nothing else away from this evening, uh, there's a little picture. Uh, And I forgot what the second thing was, so I'm just going to press on now. We are, through Lent, looking at uh, our series of My Father's Heart. And as we track through Lent, the period in the lead up to Easter, we will be uh, looking line by line through the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we've had that read by Molly this evening, and that was great. So last week, I think Liam was up here, and he started with Our Father in Heaven. And tonight, I'm doing the bit that we often skip over. Our Father in Heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. I'm doing the bit that when I've heard people speak on the Lord's Prayer, often gets missed. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. And so... What on earth does hallowed be your name mean? Whoever has used the word hallowed at home? Oh, we've got one. Very good. Very good. And in what context was that, sir? Hallowed turf. Very good. You obviously live in Wembley Stadium, which is a beautiful thing. But that's very good. There's some hallowed turf at your home. Anybody, anybody else use the word hallowed? 
No. We don't use it very often at church, do we? Other than in moments when we say the Lord's Prayer and we go, hallowed be your name. No idea what that means, but we'll just press on, Lord, because these are the words that you left us to say. No clue. The word hallowed appears in the Bible, I think, as a translation. I think only once. Looking at Tom, no point. Uh, But... There you go. Can you confirm nor deny the word hallowed? Okay, he's not even listening. (laughs) You put the brummy on the front row, still doesn't listen. It's very good. So the actual Greek word appears lots of times in Scripture. Uh, But it's never translated, as far as Tom and I think, uh, in, uh, in the Scriptures, apart from in this place, as hallowed. Everywhere else it is sanctified. Great, another churchy word. What does it mean? Sanctified. Sanctified is to make holy, to revere, to be respected. And so what we're saying here in this passage as we pray to our Father in heaven is that your name, you, Lord, be respected above all others be the person the one for whom your opinion matters more than any other in our lives you be the highest of the high the one that we seek to live for the one that we seek to please and as I was looking at this uh, just this little phrase over the course of the week I couldn't help but ask the question, does my life hallow God's name in my day-to-day life? So when I am at work, does my life hallow God's name? Does it hold it in the utmost respect? Does it bring him glory? Does my life hallow God's name when I am around at home with my kids and with my family? Does my life bring him glory and show that respect? When I'm at the shops, when I'm going about my ordinary, everyday life, does my life show that I am holding God in the highest of esteem? Is he hallowed in my actions, in my words, in my attitudes? And I don't know about you, But when you hear somebody at the front begin to ask those kind of deep and searching questions, I think, I've got to work harder. I've got to pray more. I've got to be more disciplined. I need to sort out my giving. I need to sort out my uh, attendance at church. Maybe I should go at least once on a Sunday. I am employed to be there after all. I need to sort out somewhere to serve. I need to maybe study the Bible more. That would be something that would be really good. I need to sort out my mission. I need to do more evangelism. Uh, 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 Harder. Do more. Do more. I don't know whether anybody else thinks like that, but I know that I do from time to time. Anybody else or is it just me? It's just me. Okay, that's that's fine. That's good. Uh, In which case, if you'd like. Anyway. And as we go through the Lord's Prayer, As we take our time over this Lent period, as we consider our Father's heart, 
Maybe, just maybe, God wants to reveal a different way, his way to us. So let me tell you a story. Um, I have three children, and uh, my eldest two, my two boys, are now off at university. Uh, They've made it. They've escaped, and uh, my daughter is uh, still at home. She's also here tonight, so she will be able to corroborate any stories that I tell. But if we go back uh, many years when one of my boys, and he will try to remain nameless uh, this evening. I've managed at two other gatherings today. Come on, Lord. But when one of my boys was maybe five or six, we went through a really tough time where I don't know what was going on for him. But there was just this sense of just non-cooperation where anything that we said was just kind of met with. Anytime we sort of uh, encouraged him, it was like, Bleh. Anytime we, uh, we tried to say, perhaps, boy, you might want to shape up a little bit. It was met with just resistance. It was met with open hostility. It was really awful. And the more that we tried to encourage him to shape up and change his ways, the worse it got. As the perfect parent that I am, I'm sure that I never, ever raised my voice more than about ten times in the space of that two weeks. It just got worse. It was horrible. Now you know where my daughter is sitting. (laughs) It just got worse. And I don't know if ever when you have felt down that there has just been this sense of to the world around you. No matter if people are being nice, it's just, just leave me alone. Maybe that's just me as well, but that's fine. But I walked up the stairs, climbed the stairs, and uh, as I did... Um, I walked past my boy's bedroom and I could hear that he was playing with his train track. And I don't know what came over me. Um, It was obviously a moment of divine inspiration where I thought, I'm just going to go in. Probably with fear and trembling. (laughs) And I just got down on the floor and for 10 minutes I played with his train track. I didn't take over, which I know as parents is really hard when there's a wooden train track being built. But we just hung out for 10 minutes. And at the end of that 10 minutes, I got up and I went about doing whatever it was that I was doing, going upstairs, and thought no more about it. When a little bit later on, my boy came downstairs. He was a transformed child. He was pleasant. I spoke to him. He spoke back. I asked if he would help. He said, yes, absolutely. He was transformed. And in that moment, I got to thinking, what was going on in my boy's heart for that two weeks of awfulness? Maybe he wasn't feeling loved. Maybe he didn't feel as if his parents cared. Maybe their attempts to try and just help modify his behaviors just a little bit were just compounding the fact that he felt pretty awful about himself. 
And maybe it's the same for you and me. I had this week a cup of tea with a lovely Heather Andrews. Yeah, she sat here at the front. If ever, if ever you have a spare half an hour and you think, I could do with a cup of tea with somebody who is wise, seek out Heather Andrews. It is, a, it is a good half an hour well spent. And anyway, we've been talking about pastoral stuff over the course of the week, and we uh, did share a cup of tea or two. And in the course of uh, that conversation, she said, when we're doing pastoral work here at the church, the absolute core of what we're trying to do, the, what at the heart of what it's about, is intimacy with the Father. And that little phrase, intimacy with the Father, that's what it's all about, has just stuck with me since my cup of tea with Heather Andrews. And as I've thought more about it, just can't help think that that is the point of the entire exercise. Our God in heaven is doing his thing, rescuing Israelites from, uh, from Egypt, parting the Red Seas, Israelites stuffing up. And rather than leave us here on the earth, he sent his son, Jesus. God himself came to earth as a little baby, and he lived a life. He died a death on a cross so that we might be forgiven, so that we might be drawn into that intimate relationship with the Father. Three days later, he was raised to life. And as he left, he poured out his spirit upon you and me enabling us to connect intimately with the Father. When Jesus walked the earth, he uh, found himself at the house of Mary and Martha. And Martha has got guests coming around. So she's hoovering, and she, she didn't have a hoover, but she's hoovering, and she's laying the tables, and she's nipping down to Ikea to get some of those plastic cutlery so that everyone can eat. And she's just charging around and making everything right. And Mary, her sister, probably a little sister, is sad at the feet of Jesus. And Martha gets a little bit indignant and goes, Jesus... Tell her to help. Jesus says these words. Mary, uh, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Mary had chosen intimacy with God. And then the story of the prodigal son. We've got the youngest son. It's always the youngest faith. Uh, we've got the youngest son. And he uh, takes off with uh, vast portions of the father's wealth and squanders it on wild living and prostitutes. And the eldest son sticks around at home, slaving for his father. The younger son comes to his senses and heads home. And as the father hitches up his robe, as he sees his boy in the distance, and as he runs to him, throws his arms around him, places a robe around his shoulders, sandals on his feet, gives him a ring, identity in the family. It's the younger son that learns something about the love of the father's heart. The older son is still out in the fields, grumbling refusing to party and celebrate. Intimacy with the Father is what it's all about.
And as I've uh, journeyed with this passage this week, as I've asked the question, what does hallowed mean? As we've, uh, and whether or not my life is hallowing uh, to God in any situation that I find myself in. I've also asked the question, whose voice have I hallowed in my life? Whose opinion have I taken and hallowed over the life of Alan Ward? Our Father in heaven. What about my earthly father? You see, as I've grown up, when I was first born into this world, my world was very, very small. There was a mum and a dad. I know that that's more than the national average, and I was fortunate to have both parents around. There were my brothers around as well. But when I was little, my world was tiny. And then as I grew, I went off to play group. And then I went to primary school, and then I went to secondary school, and all the while, my world was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But when I was first born, I picked up everything from my parents, the way that the world worked, the way that relationships work. And there was nobody whose opinion and the way that they interacted with me that was in higher esteem in my little life than my parents. And growing up, my dad was a policeman, and so he was a real-life superhero. And so in the mornings, whenever he was going out to work, he would pull on his superhero outfit. He remembered to put his pants on first and not over the top. And he would go off and he would do superhero things, like protecting people. Oh! amazing and then when the local policeman the local bobby came round to our school not my dad but drove in with the police car there was a little queue that formed and uh, uh, and all of us little boys and girls would would queue up ready to go and sit in the back of the police car it was really exciting Tom told me earlier that his school was slightly different and that people did ride in the back of the police car but for different reasons but <laughs> but in my village in my village, it was a big deal. The policeman had come and we could sit in the back of the car. Ladies and gentlemen, growing up, that was my regular ride. My dad was a hero. And as I grew up and as my world got bigger, there have been times and moments when I've realized that my dad is not perfect. And that in terms of esteeming his voice and his opinion over my life, as great as he is, I need to know my Heavenly Father. And I don't know about you, tender-aged as some of you are on this side of the room, not looking at anyone over here. But I don't know. I'm just picking on everyone tonight, you know. (laughs) I know where the back exit is, and I know that it's unlocked because I unlocked it, and the car engine is started, so it's all good. Where was I? There comes a point in every person's life where they realize that their parents are not perfect and I know that as a parent myself that there are that I can pinpoint moments when certainly my boys knew that I wasn't the superhero dad that perhaps that they thought I was 
We live down in Walkley, and uh, there's a regular festival um, down in the little park down there in Ruskin Park, the Ruskin Park Fun Day. And as part of the Ruskin Park Fun Day, there is the Blake Street Dash. Thank you. And uh, the Blake Street Dash. Now, if anybody knows Blake Street, there's a good pub at the top, but it is reportedly one of the steepest streets in the entire world. Well, in the UK at very least. I think there's one in Australia that has claimed recently that it is steeper. Blake Street is a really steep hill uh, in Sheffield. And the Blake Street Dash is as it sounds. One starts at the bottom... One looks up and thinks, <laughs> I'm going to run that. And, uh, and then someone starts and you, and you run up the top. So the picture of the scene, I'm at the bottom. I'm looking along the line thinking I can probably take him. Yep, I can probably take... Oh, young whippersnapper. Uh, yeah, uh, that one looks a lot like Liam Brennan. <laughs> oh. And I look the other way and I think... Oh, so anyway, children at the top of the hill with their mum, and they're ready, and they're expecting, my dad's running. <laughs> my dad's super, a superhero, don't you know? And so as we started, I make my way. I, I set off at a, at a gentle pace. It's at least 50 metres, this hill. It's probably not quite that long, but I think I need to pace this. So I set off up the hill, and there are some, there are some folk that set off at a, at a huge pace, really fast, and I smile at them as I jog past. Um, but as I get to the top... I'm, I'm top half. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at the back. I'm, I'm not top five, though. And as I got to the top of the hill, my lungs and my legs burning, my boys kind of looked at me. They kind of went, yeah. <laughs> And I knew in that moment that the spell, the superhero spell of me being a superhero parent had finally been broken. I know, a sad day in my life. I can just feel the sympathy coming back from you. All that to say that we know that our mums and our dads, if we have had the privilege to have them in our lives, what they say, what they do, the way that they relate to us, or their absence speaks volumes in our lives. Have we hallowed their voice? and their opinions over our lives? Do we still carry some of the burdens and some of the scars from those times? And as I thought about whose voices or who have we hallowed in our lives, I also thought about people in authority. Whether that's people at school, whether that's a boss, whether that's, I don't know who it is, but whose voice perhaps do we still hear that voice and does it still speak something about who we are and the value that we give to ourselves? So when I was a little boy, I must have been about 10. I know, you can imagine it, the short shorts, the little cap, the grazed knees. About 10 years of age, I arrived at school shortly after um, our headmaster had arrived, Mr. Richardson. He was quite a short fellow. And even though we were in rural Wiltshire, he drove around everywhere in a black London taxi. He was quite an eccentric fellow. Who knows? But he'd arrived first, it had been a wet day, and as I came through the cloakroom, which was sort of flagstones, he'd left a perfect trail of footsteps. And as I came in, I, uh, little ten-year-old me, kind of went, I think that's Mr. Richardson's footprints. And so I put my foot up to Mr. Richardson's foot, and I thought, 
I think he's probably a size five. Yeah. And so I wandered into the classroom, and there was Mr. Richardson. And uh, I said, Mr. Richardson, I think you're about a size five in shoes. And he said, Alan, you might be right. And I went off to play, and then we came in for assembly a little bit later. And in the middle of assembly, in front of my entire school, it was a village school, there must have been at least 60 people there. He singled me out for praise. Three and a half decades later, I still remember that moment. It's a positive moment. What about the moments in your life as you've come through school, the, the authority figures in your life? What's been spoken over you? Is it all positive? Is there other stuff that you carry? Is there other voices? Are there other things that have been said over your life that you have hallowed and given the utmost respect to? The utmost respect that belongs to the Father. You see, we get our sense of who we are. We get our sense of our value from the world around us. And that's from our parents. That can be uh, from school. We do at the moment, uh, we're living in a world where we just have to flick on our phones and scroll through social media to see the perfect curated lives to think maybe, maybe, maybe my life could just be a little bit better. And we get a sense of who we are and we get a sense of the value that the world might give us. But we have an option to come before our Father in heaven. To receive from him something about who we are. We get to receive from him something about our inherent worth as a human being. As his child. And like the boy with the train. He just wants us to draw close. Just wants to connect with us intimately. Because I know there are times when I am like the boy with a train. Just having a bad time. And I just know, need to know in my heart. That the father loves me. That he has a plan for me. A purpose for me. And I want that voice to be hallowed above all others. Pray it often enough. Jesus, before he started his ministry, heard these words. This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. The Father here tonight is saying exactly the same thing over your lives. This is my child, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So how? How do we receive this from God? How do we position ourselves? How do we... How, Paul, writing the Ephesians, says this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Jesus, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, says this. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned 
and you have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then finally in Romans chapter 8, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The spirit testifies to the core, the very core of who we are, that we are his children. And who here doesn't want a revelation of the Father's love for us? Who doesn't want his spirit to testify to our spirits that we are beloved children of God? And who doesn't want his opinion to be hallowed above every other voice in our lives? I'm up for that. Over the last few months, um, I've been going through a bit of a tough time. Not least because my father's in hospital down in Swindon, and uh, we don't know how long he's got left to live. My two boys have disappeared off to university, and they've left a big hole that not even two kittens can fill. I don't know about you, but when I'm going through a tough time, I can begin to ask questions of all kinds of stuff. Am I really up to this? Am I really doing a good job? Am I making a difference? Am I any good? I begin to question the friends that I have around me. Are they really my friends? Are they just doing this because I don't know whether it's the same for you or whether, again, it's just me. But as we go through life, there's often times when those darker questions begin to circle. And so as we've entered into Lent and as I've come to church on uh, Thursday for prayers that Heather has put together, I came, not really particularly wanting to be here, but I came and uh, we sang and uh, Worship was great. We prayed for Ukraine. That was good. And then we got a little bit of time, a little moment where we could either go and pray for others or we could just spend a little bit of a moment uh, on our own. And I don't know whether you've spent any time on your own in church. That was the option that I chose. I don't know whether you've ever sat in silence in a church and thought holy thoughts. If you're anything like me and if you're anything like me on Thursday night, my mind just starts wandering takes a little wander around Sheffield and dives into here and there and I can't really focus on anything and then, oh, I'm thinking about something completely different. All the while looking incredibly holy. I don't know whether you ever get those experiences or whether it's just me. But as I was sat, I think we got about 15 minutes on Thursday night. As we sat just in the silence, in amongst all the jumble of thoughts that were going through my head whilst looking holy, I just began to give thanks. 
actually began to give thanks for Tom, who, as I'm going through tough time at the moment, is just a real mate. And as I began to give thanks, it was as if God lined up this whole queue, this whole cloud of witnesses of people from my present and people from my past, people that have stood alongside me, people that have blessed us as a family, those that I've had the privilege of blessing and, uh, and drawing alongside, encouraging and seeing God do amazing things in their lives. Had the privilege of remembering times and situations and remembering folk that have come through the church and, uh, and who are off doing amazing things for God. And it was such a profound moment. It felt like God had come close. Compassion love just reminding me of who I am and what it is that he has called me to in that moment it was a shift in my outlook or I'd had too much cheese I, I'm not sure I'm going to invite the band to come out we're going to worship again in a minute And I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what you carry. I don't know whose voices and whose opinions that you have hallowed in your life, whose opinion really matters. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to invite us, just let's stand together, shall we? It says in the Bible that where two or three are gathered and Jesus promises that he will be right there with them, says in scripture that if we ask, the Father is pleased to give. And that as he died on the cross, as his spirit was poured out, it is free, open access to everyone.